Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chamat Kosandu from Toronto in Canada with our first show of 2022. I hope your Christmas and New Year went swimmingly. We've both survived ours and we have what is now becoming, I can say it's a tradition now, Sandy, because we've done it once before. It is our now annual Nando's inspired hot takes special. Yes, it was such a hit last year and I've actually dug out what we said last year. We will go back through the disaster that was our 2021 picks and predictions and we will give you our 2022 predictions along the way. But first off, Sandu, how was your festive period? How are you bearing up? Are you raring to launch into 2022 with gusto? Yeah, so first of all, Happy New Year, Simon. Um, Thank you. And to you. Happy, happy New Year to all of our listeners. I had a good time. I think we're all guilty of spending a bit too much time on, on social media. And for someone like myself that works in social media, to have this break, to really kind of shut down, recharge the batteries and do a little bit of reflection, done the soul good, done the body good and the mind good. So I'm good to go. Had a good time off, spent a lot of time with the family, relaxed. And yeah, just really really coming into 2022 with a reinvigorated positive mindset i want to be productive i want to have fun and i don't want to stress about anything that's the big thing for me this year it's like when things are out of your control they're out of your control and to be honest with you the last few years i haven't really had too much stress on my plate anyway but just to kind of reinforce that in my mind heading into this year um that's something i'm trying to like keep in my rearview mirror but i'm so excited about this show it's a fun show to do and like you said, it's now become an annual tradition and I'm raring to go. Yeah, as the as the great Bobby McFerrin once said, don't worry, be happy. That's what we're going to do on this show, the Brit Pack, as we bring you our MMA takes throughout 2022. And for those who didn't listen to last year's show, let me lay out how this is going to work. If you've been to Nando's, you will know the spice rating system in Nando's. Now, the reason we use Nando's is because myself and Sandu as part of the wider MMA core here in the UK that cover the sport, we're somewhat obsessed with uh, the great dispensary of chicken here in the UK. And it is, it is a traditional pre pre match pre fight meal venue of choice. That is where we go. I remember once Bellator held an event at the O2 in London and normally they lay on some sort of buffet or whatever. They didn't that time. They knew who they were dealing with, Sandu, and they gave us Nando's gift cards. And we went straight down the straight down the way to the Nando's in the O2, ate like kings, and covered the event. So this is why Nando's has a special place in our hearts. Whenever me, me and Sandu get to meet up in person, which is a bit of a rare occurrence these days, but what being separated by about 5,000 miles or so, we meet up and have a Nando's. It's what we do. It's what we do. So... Our hot takes work as follows. There are four spice ratings. We have the mild, we have the medium, we have the hot, and we have the extra hot. And they will correspond with the hotness of our pre-2022 takes as we offer some ever more outlandish predictions for the year ahead. And what we'll do as we go, we'll chuck in a quick reminder of just how bad our predictions were for last year. So Sandu, let's kick things right off, right? With the we'll start mild and we'll get we'll you know, we'll build up the heat as we go. Last year you said Conor McGregor will fight three times in 2021. I think bar a broken leg that might have happened to be fair. But unfortunately that one came up blank. 
This was the one that I got correct out of the entire year. I said Khabib will not fight in 2021. I was correct. He did not fight in 2021. Everything else was pure trash in terms of my picks, as you will learn on the way through. But that was last year. What's your mild take for 2022, Sandu? So this year, Simon, my mild take is that the UFC will hold an event in the UK at some point this year. And the reason that's a mild take is I'm sure everyone's already seen the, the rumors, the reports about an event being held in London at the O2 in March. But as of yet, nothing's been confirmed. Nothing's official. Things are constantly changing with COVID regulations. For example, here in Toronto, in Ontario, Canada, we're just about to go into a brand new 21-day lockdown. And cases are rising again. We just don't know what the situation is going to be like. We don't know how far in advance the UFC needs to liaise with the O2 Arena and, and book things and you know get tickets ramped up to sell and, and you know all the stuff that goes into promotion. And it's already January. And normally by this time, things are pretty much firmed up for you know an event if it's going to go ahead. So the reason I say an event at some point this year is I'm trying to be hopeful, trying to be trying to see the glass half full and not half empty just in case the London event in March doesn't happen. I'm still hopeful that at some point this year whether it's London, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's somewhere else that the UFC will return to the UK at some point. Yeah, you talked about being hopeful. This guy right here is being hopeful. I already have a hotel room booked in uh, in London, just outside Canary Wharf, on March the 19th. It is a transferable booking. So in the event of it all going a bit Pete Tong and the event being pushed back or maybe not getting one at all, hopefully I can book that for a later date. But I got in nice and early, got myself a nice cheap rate just outside Canary Wharf. I am being positive. March the 19th is the date that it would appear to be all being considered cage warriors are holding a show at the indigo at the o2 the day before that is how they've done things in the past cage warriors on a friday night ufc on a saturday night so fingers crossed that mild take of yours cashes in on on march the 19th and if not hopefully not too not too long after that here's my mild take israel adesanya will have a second attempt at winning the ufc light heavyweight title in 2022 this time, he's going to be successful. He will become a two-division champion in 2022. I think the way that light heavyweight division is panning out and the way that the middleweight division is panning out right now, Adesanya has almost cleared the table at 185 pounds. Alex Pereira is an interesting new addition to the division. It's going to take him a few fights to get up there and get into a position to challenge Adesanya. And that obviously will be a box office fight with the pass that they have. But he's kind of running out of contenders at 185. So I don't think it'll be too long, if perhaps even as soon as after this incoming Robert Whittaker fight that he's got. If he gets through that one unscathed, he gets that title one, or sorry, defended. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him move up to 205, where the division is kind of in a state of flux right now. We've got Glover Teixeira as the, as the champion right now. Interesting to see who, how, how he will go in 2022. But wouldn't be at all surprised to see the last style bender move up to 205 and get it right second time around and become a two-division UFC champion. So that's my mild take, Sandu. What do you reckon? I like it. I like it because I feel like, you know, 
he had his first shot, didn't go his way. But when you look at the landscape, you know, I think a even if he was to fight Jan Blahovic again, and Jan was still the champion, I think Izzy would have learned a lot from the first time around at two hundred five, and and I feel, and I feel like you know he still got what it takes to like beat most of the light heavyweights. So for example, if you put him up against Glover Teixeira right now, I would heavily favor Izzy to win, right? So and obviously he's you know really motivated at some point to become double champion. I don't see him losing the belt at 185 pounds, although I do feel like the Robert Whitaker rematch is going to be really, really competitive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like it. I think it's a very a, a big possibility, especially towards the end of 2022. Yeah, interesting to see how uh, Adesanya goes. Fingers crossed we get to see him uh, three, maybe even four times in 2022. Fingers crossed. He's one of the most exciting guys to watch in the UFC. Let's rank up that crank up that spice level to medium now. Now, last year, Mr. Sandu said, John Jones will finish 2021 as the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Well, unfortunately, as much as everything seemed to be moving in that direction when we did that show, John Jones never even stepped into the octagon to fight at heavyweight in uh, 2021, which is an enormous shame. And we don't even know if, when we're ever going to see John Jones in a UFC heavyweight fight or even in any kind of UFC fight, such as the uh, the situation with Jones in the UFC right now, my take was, I couldn't believe it when I went back and listened to this, how meandering and bizarre mine was. Israel Adesanya wins the light heavyweight title. That would have been enough. I should have stopped there. Fights John Jones in summer 2021. Then Stipe Miocic retires. Francis Ngannou wins the title against Curtis Blaze to set up a 2022 fight with John Jones. That was my medium take, Sandy. What was I thinking? <laughs> Literally, hang on a minute. One, two, three, four, five. There's six separate elements to that. One, two, three, four, five, six of them wrong. So I completely, completely bombed out on my medium take. And why the hell I thought that was a nice, easy medium take, I don't know. But anyway, that was absolutely absolutely shocking <laughs> but you know what we did there you know what we did this like you, you reached for the medium but you picked up extra hot by accident i think i did i think i did i, I sort of double sourced it or something it all went a little bit wrong anyway give us give us something a little bit more sensible sandy we're in the medium territory this is normally what i would go for in nando's i'm kind of veering towards the hot these days but you're on good ground with medium you're talking a little bit of a kick a little bit of a you know a bit of heat there so what kind of heat have we got in your medium picks, Andrew? Your your medium prediction for 2022? My medium prediction this year, Simon, is that Nate Diaz is going to fight out his contract with the UFC, test free agency, and ultimately box Jake Paul at some point this year. I feel like reading the tea leaves, looking at what's happening behind the scenes, Jake Paul is coming off an incredible... 2021 with a highlight reel knockout of Tyron Woodley the 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 hype the anticipation especially in North America just wasn't there with with Fury with Tommy Fury maybe they'll explore that one more time maybe they won't who knows let's see but the clear formula here the clear winner is Jake Paul versus an MMA fighter regardless of what you think that's what's moving the needle that's what's getting the attention that's what's going to really help with promotion in North America, where, let's face it, that's where the bulk of the pay-per-view buys are coming from. And when you have one of the biggest draws in UFC history about to go onto the free market, why wouldn't you want to get a deal done 
with him. And again, it wouldn't probably just be a one fight deal, regardless of who wins. You're, you're looking at maybe at least a minimum of two fights there, you know, uh, and an initial contest and perhaps a rematch, because I'm sure that would do big business. And Nate Diaz is someone that has always kind of been against the grain a little bit, bit of an anti hero uh, in the UFC roster, never has felt like he's got what he's deserved. And, you know, I feel like we can all sympathize with him and many of the fighters there. But it would be fascinating to see what he would walk away financially uh, with a contest against Jake Paul. So there you go, Simon. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz inside the square circle at some point in 2022. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. The only thing that I find might be tricky, the UFC are loath to let go of, of their talent when their talent is still of value to the market. And that's where I think it might get tricky. So it's getting that last fight of Diaz is booked because they're not going to let him go with, with a fight left on his contract, I don't suppose. So it's getting him in a fight. I would imagine that the UFC, if they know that Diaz is going to walk, they're going to want, they're going to, want to put him in a fight that he's going to lose, I would imagine. They want to build someone who's going to stay and maybe devalue the guy on the way out the door. So maybe, you know, the Hamzat fight is one that they're looking at. Maybe even, I mean, the Connor fight would make a hell of a lot of sense because it's a fight that Connor has won once already. And it was, it's a fight that would absolutely do the biggest business for the UFC with the name Nate Diaz attached to it. So um, that would be the obvious one to go out on. Um, do that fight then let him head off and do what he wants to do, um, knowing that you've not left anything on the table with him. So be interesting to see how that all plays out because I think there is a way of doing it that means that everyone gets what they want. So let's hope that clear heads prevail and that is what we get. Um, as for my medium take, I thought about this and I, I sort of wrote this down because it makes common sense to me. I can also argue against it instantly, which kind of takes the edge of it a little bit. But here we go. Kayla Harrison joins Bellator. And the promotion announces her as part of the lineup of their 2022 Women's Featherweight Grand Prix. Now, the obvious argument against this, she's managed by Ali Abdelaziz. The majority of his fighters fight in the UFC or the PFL. But most of his big name clients, they're in the UFC. And he's got a great relationship with the UFC. I'm sure that the UFC are in talks with him uh, with regard to getting Kayla on their books. She is a superstar. But from a business standpoint, from a, a fighter career standpoint, I think a move to Bellator makes more sense. I think there's more fights for her. She's a she's a 155-pound fighter who's going to be moving down to 145 pounds. How many world-class 145-pound fighters are there in the UFC? They don't even have a ranking list. Bellator at least has a division. Um, and you can put her in that division... They could put her in a Grand Prix, work the way up, have that potentially that big fight with Cyborg. There are other interesting fights that you could do for her in the on 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 the way up. So I think that would make more sense. And the reason it's a medium take, it should be a mild take. The mild take is Kayla Harrison joins the UFC. So Kayla Harrison joining Bellator, I think it's got a little bit more heat to it. So I've put that down as medium. I think that is the common sense move for her right now. Um, because aside from the Amanda, Nunes, the Amanda Nunes fight, what is there in the UFC for Kayla Harrison? I don't think there's too much. I really don't. Yeah, I understand the take. I mean, from a competitive standpoint and to stay busy, Bellator is probably the move. But 
from a point of view where you are a superstar waiting to go supernova, the UFC is a place to do that. The UFC is the only place that you can do that. The hustle and muscle of, of the UFC, the promotion, ESPN, telling that story, what they can do in terms of elevating her overall stardom, especially in the US, is something that no, no other promotion can offer, quite frankly. And that's going to be the... I guess the juggling act that she's going to have to do or she probably is doing right now in terms of what offer to accept. And if I'm the UFC, I'm definitely doing what I can to sign Kayla Harrison because I feel like yeah. there's going to be, a, there's already a bit of turnover happening. You know, Jorge has been a big draw for them over the last couple of years, but he's on the tail end of, of that, you know, drawing power. Nate Diaz, let's see if he's even around the UFC beyond 2022. Right, Conor McGregor's coming off, you know, a severe injury. He'll always be a draw, but what's the long-term play with Conor McGregor? So you've got to start looking around in terms of who you can bring in that has the potential, has the potential ceiling to be a massive draw in the UFC. And Kayla right now has all the ingredients. So fascinating to see what happens with her free agency in the next couple of weeks and months. It really is. I mean, and, and you're absolutely bang on, like from a promotional star making standpoint or star star elevating standpoint, the UFC is the place to be. But I just don't know what other fights there are for her. I just don't. I mean, unless they're going to start bulk signing featherweight fighters because she's not making 135 anytime soon. So and, and that's the that for me is 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 the big sort of stumbling block here. If you're going in and you're going to have the big fight with Amanda Nunes, or Juliana Pena, obviously, is the champion right now. You've got two fights there. If Juliana Pena wants to move up, sorry, Juliana Pena is a bantamweight champion. She could potentially move up and fight at featherweight, but she'd be, she'd be hugely undersized against, uh, against, against Kayla. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting one. My gut says, yeah, she'd be in the UFC, but my head says the sensible move here is to do Bellator and, and do you know be involved as, in, a, in a tournament that will really get you to build and build and build. Maybe run run the table in Bellator, then go to the UFC and have that final, the final cherry on top of the cake, again, you know, with the super fight against Amanda Nunes for the featherweight title. Just to say, I've been there, I've seen it, I've been to every major promotion in the States and I've won the lot. I think that would be the order that I would be looking at. But uh, we'll see how that one goes. They were uh, the medium takes. Now we're getting into the somewhat outlandish stuff. He says, having already read his own medium take from last year, hot takes. Last uh, last year, you said the UFC will hold a stadium event at some point in 2021. The pandemic had something to say about that. Um, and mine was that Michael Venom Page would sign with the PFL, win the welterweight title, and then sign for the UFC. Again, I've gone with sort of three for the price of one there, all three of which were wrong. Um, so... <laughs> But um, I think yours yours was an entirely sensible suggestion at the time. We just thought that we were going to emerge from this pandemic and stuff, were going, stuff was going to start to open up maybe by the summer or late summer. But of course, it didn't quite pan out like that, did it? So it was all it was all a little bit tricky. But what have you got for your hot take for 2022, Sandu? Well, keeping on the theme of free agency and talking about Michael Venom Page. I think MVP this year fights out his Bellator contract, explores free agency, and signs with the UFC. I feel like it's time. 
he's with the right management company. He's with Audiotar and those lads at Paradigm who have a gr- really good relationship with the UFC, obviously Conor McGregor being their biggest star. And to see what Michael Chandler has done, even though he's gone one and two since signing with the UFC, he's become a, a legitimate, legitimate household name, which I don't think he was when he was Bellator lightweight champion. And it, like, there's no sign of him stopping. Like, There's talks of him fighting Conor McGregor at some point this year, which is remarkable coming off of a couple of losses now. But I feel like Michael Venom Page... There's a reason where he wasn't so gung-ho about fighting for the title. I think there may, I'm, I'm purely speculating here, there may be some speculation, um, you know, some, you know, contractual championship clause there, which means if he, be, if he was to fight for the Bellator you know, championship, that they may have to, like, re-up him or something like that. And that's why he probably said he'd rather just, you know, have that Douglas Lima trilogy fight. Let's see what yeah. happens with MVP. There, there, there's, been, there's been talks, there's been rumours, there's been some reports of him gonna be fighting for the title next anyway but i look at the ufc welterweight division i look at a dominant champion in kamaru usman and i feel like the ufc are gonna have to start you know bringing in some new talent there i don't see usman you know i'm sure leon edwards would give him a run for his money but i still don't i wouldn't pick against usman right now like how can you the guy just looks phenomenal number one pound for pound fighter in the world just looks better better and better every time he performs but i feel like for mvp the time is the time is right. I think he's pretty much done pretty much everything he can do in Bellator in terms of star power. He hasn't won a championship. There's definitely some competitive fights on the table for him at Bellator. But in terms of star power, you know, he's in his 30s. How much bigger can he be? How much of a household name can he be? He's a Londoner. The UFC likes to hold events at the O2 Arena all the time. You look at their roster of UK fighters. You know, Darren Till has come close to a championship, you know, stumbled. Leon Edwards, hopefully, you'd like to think, is next. But Leon Edwards just doesn't have that star power, that drawing power. Michael Van Page is an entertaining fighter. He's easy on the eye. You know, he's got a highlight reel knockout. And he's someone that can potentially level up. And, you know, fighting in the UFC would also prove any doubters that think he's just been fighting cans all this entire time. Because there are no cans, especially in the UFC. So there you go, Simon. It's a hot take. Um, you know, he's been a Bellator guy for quite some time now, but I feel like 2022 is the year where Michael Venom Page will be a UFC fighter. I would absolutely love to see that. He's been, I think Bellator has been a great home for him over the last six or seven years or however long it's been. And he's really helped, well, as Bellator have really established a European presence, he has been one of the standard bearers for Bellator on this side of the pond. And Every time there's a Bellator show in the UK, you know this as well as I do, he is the star attraction. Whenever he's on a card, he's the guy people come to watch. The atmosphere in the arena when he fights is next level here in the UK. And the UFC are looking for stars. They want stars. They want people who, A, are capable of becoming a world champion one day, and they want people who are stars. He fits the bill. He fits the bill. He's He's got that unique fighting style. The only person in the welterweight division who comes close in terms of the strange fighting style is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So, And he's had a pretty good career. And I think Michael Venom Page has got the ability to do everything that Wonderboy has done in the UFC and possibly more. So I would love to see it. And I think the time is right. I do think the time is right. So it will be very interesting to see if that hot take of yours uh, really does catch fire and become uh, reality in 2022. That would be... That would be pretty special for the UK fans if we ended up with a 
an MVP headliner or co-headliner in the UK in the UFC octagon. That would be that would be pretty special. Uh, mine also deals with the welterweight division in the UFC, or at least partly. Hamzat Chimaev is a guy who I think most people who've seen him fight think that he's set for stardom if he isn't already there. I think, and also I think the UFC love him. I think Dana White absolutely loves him. He's got that that sort of anytime, any place, anywhere attitude when it comes to fights. And uh, I think Hamzat Chimaev will challenge for UFC Championship gold twice in 2022. He will do it at welterweight and he will also do it at middleweight. That is my hot take for 2022. I think the first half of that is entirely more realistic than the second half. But Hamzat Chimaev is a big welterweight. He he makes middleweight with ease. And we already saw what he can do at middleweight by putting out Gerald Mearshart, who is no mug. Take a look at the man's record. Look at the people he's been in there with. Nobody has done to him what Hamzat Chimaev did to him. So do not sleep on Hamzat Chimaev potentially jumping divisions and having a having a quick run at the at the middleweight title. Now you'll note that I have not said whether he will win a belt or not. And the reason for that is based on the two champions in the divisions right now, I would have Hamzat Chimaev as a sizable underdog in both of those fights. I think Kamaru Usman would be a deserved betting favorite against uh, Chimaev for the welterweight belt. And Israel Adesanya would be a, a huge favorite, I think, at middleweight against Hamzat Chimaev. But with the middleweight division showing a pretty thin list of contenders right now, they might need a fresh face. Who loves to just step in and make an impact? Hamzat Chimaev is that guy. He could easily step in there. And uh, it might even be a short notice thing. You never know. He could be on the fight card in a welterweight, all booked to fight at welterweight. There could be a middleweight title fight at the top of the card. Challenger misses weight. All of a sudden, Chimaev steps up there, fights for the belt. Could happen. It's the sort of crazy thing that could happen. Hamzat Chimaev is going to fight for the title twice in 2022. 170 pounds, 185 pounds. You heard it here first. And if it doesn't happen, you didn't hear it from me. Well, look, I love the the first part because I definitely feel like it's realistic. The second part, not What's sure, not so sure, not so sure. But listen, that's why it's a hot take, right? Going out there on a bit of a limb, it would be. If that happens, though, I have to say it would be one of the most bizarre and remarkable rises to stardom I've ever witnessed in this sport because he only fought once last year, and at one point we thought he was never going to fight again due to COVID and we all saw his Instagram post and, and whatnot. So he's already put a little Instagram graphic out him against Kamara Usman. Man, that is a mouth watering prospect, but there's lots of other contenders um, already ahead of him in the queue. Let's see what happens. We, we need him to fight soon though. I'd love to see him um, just get booked at some point in Q1 just so that he doesn't lose any momentum. But yeah, interesting. Love it. For that to happen, he would have to, effectively win a con- number one contender fight in his next match. I think they would, you know, the UFC would have to put him in there with top top three or four opposition. He wins that fight comfortably to make the statement that he has to be next. He then gets a fight with Usman, sort of middle middle of the year, but early, early Q3 maybe. And then end of year craziness stuff happens and then boom, he gets a shot at the middleweight belt. Who knows? Stranger things have happened at sea, Sandu. But we have an extra level of heat still to go. The extra hot takes from last year. Um, 
yours was plausible, at least mine wasn't, but yours was extra hot. Khabib returns for one more fight in 2021, said Mr. Sandu. I think that was the heart talking more than the head. That played directly against my mild take, which said that he will not fight. So between the pair of us, we had we had all bets covered there. But um, yeah, it didn't happen. He's now got himself a promotion. He bought what was Guerrilla Fighting Championship and has now rebranded it as Eagle Eagle FC. And uh, there's some there's some notable names starting to appear on 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 the roster over there. Kevin Lee's going to be fighting on there. Rashad Evans perhaps questionably he's going to be fighting on there so um yeah khabib is still in the fight biz but he will not be getting in the ufc octagon and he didn't in 2021 my extra hot take brian stan returns to the ufc as the newly appointed evp of promotional operations dana dana white announces a sabbatical and stan steps in as interim president i must have I must have been on medication when I did some of these picks, but um, I thought, you know, it's plausible in like some sort of multiversal situation that where things might be completely different to our, our world. But yeah, Brian Stan as UFC president would have been very interesting, but obviously that did not happen in 2021. I don't anticipate it happening in 2022. You'll note that I've not repeated any of my picks from last year in my list for this year. And there's good reason for that because they were terrible. Sandu, what is your extra hot pick for, or prediction rather, for 2022? I'm interested. I, I've got a sneaking suspicion we might be about to talk about the same thing, but go on. All right. Well, I look at the UFC roster. I look at the UFC champions, Francis Ngannou, Kamaru Usman, Israel Adesanya. There's been talk year after year about the UFC holding an event in Africa. I feel like there was a little bit of steam with some reports here and there last year but nothing that really kind of elevated to an actual situation. So my extra hot take this year, Simon, is a bit of a two-parter. It's taking one of my takes from last year and almost evolving it a little bit. It's a bit of an and or if that situation. My extra hot take this year, Simon, is that the UFC will hold a stadium show and it might take place in Africa. So it's kind of like a... The UFC will hold a, a stadium show and or they might hold an event in Africa because I feel like if they do hold an event in Africa, it might just be a stadium show because like the African continent is like one of the, the rare places in the world where an open air stadium would actually work quite well without any issue of weather. Yeah. But more so, it's about the, the UFC actually holding an event in Africa more than anything else. I feel like you've got to strike what the iron is hot. Like, you know, you've got three the best in the world as your as your champions in some of the most glamorous weight classes like to have them all paraded as a trio you know headlining a pay-per-view there it's like when else are you ever going to get an opportunity like this um and and africa is still one of the the continents that they really haven't pushed promotionally they they don't have you know they've got a fan base there i'm sure but they don't have like a, a footprint or you know a presence like they do in the rest of the world. So there you go, Simon. Stadium show slash Africa show in 2022. I like it. I like it. I think I think when you did the stadium show prediction last year, I think all our thoughts were about John Jones, Israel Adesanya at Allegiant Stadium. I think that 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 was the fight that we were all thinking about at the time. And we still haven't had a UFC event at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. I think we might get that this year if if restrictions continue to 
ease up stateside. I mean, they're holding massive NFL games in that stadium every other week. So, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders are playing in there. All is fine. So if I can book the big enough fight, then a stadium show in and of itself, I think is entirely plausible, as is potentially Australia. But Africa would be something very, very special. Um, it's a market they haven't broken yet, as you say. And they've got the talent to do it. They've got the talent to do it. And uh, speaking of African talent, that leads on to my extra hot take, which is almost the complete opposite of what you've just said in some respects. This is about as hot as a take as I could come up with, right? The UFC parts ways with Francis Ngannou after discussions just continue to falter. Ngannou then announces that he's done with MMA, switches sports, and launches himself into professional boxing. And I leave it there because I'm not convinced that he'd be a huge success in heavyweight boxing, to be honest. But he would be a lot of fun to watch. But that's my ludicrously do not put it in your mouth, super hot take. Uh, if you ever watch Hot Ones on, uh, on, on YouTube, the brilliant Hot Wing talk show, if you've not seen it, Sandy, you've got to check it out. It's amazing. There's one sauce that they have called the bomb, which every time someone tastes it, it's, it's like they're drinking battery acid or something. It's the word. This is, this is the, the bomb take of mine. UFC just decides they don't want to do business with Francis Ngannou anymore. They cut ties with him. And Ngannou then becomes a pro boxer. What do you think? Mate, I know it's an extra hot take, but I can actually see the vast majority of what you just said actually come to fruition. The UFC right now, and I'm talking specifically the brass, it is clear they have a very frosty relationship with both Francis Ngannou and his manager, Markel Martin of CAA. And it looks like he's got a situation in his contract with regardless of whether he's a champion or not, a fight or two, and, and he's a free agent. He's out there on the open market. And you're looking at someone like a Tyson Fury, a Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and I'm sure if Francis Ngannou is thinking, much like other MMA fighters like a Nate Diaz, like a boxing situation with Jake Paul, or in Francis's situation, a boxing situation with an Andy Ruiz or any of the other heavyweights I just mentioned, that's box office. That's that's big. You're looking at some of these heavyweights that are walking away with 30, 40, 50 million dollars. That's incredible amount of money. And I'm sure he's very, you know, confident in his own ability. And he's let's face it, he's been pretty much a striker anyway. Not that I'm advocating for him to have the transferable skills from MMA to boxing because they're two completely different sports. But if nothing else, Simon, Francis Ngannou has been a trailblazer. He's been his own man his entire career. Not just his entire career, but his entire life, just given his background and what he's been through. He's not, he's not the kind of person that likes to be told you know what to do when to do it or how, how high to jump and i don't think he's the kind of guy that likes to have um i guess the the authoritarian guys of a company or an individual dictate how he lives his life both personally and professionally so if nothing else maybe he'll just make a stand you know um maybe it'll pay out maybe it maybe it won't pan out for him who knows from a selfish point of view, I hope he stays in the UFC, win or lose against Cyril Gann, because I feel like he's one of the most entertaining box office attractions that the UFC has. His face on a poster in Garnu, he's fighting. Give me a date because I'm watching. 
because he's just one of the most devastating heavyweights we've ever seen. And the fact that the UFC have got him as their champion, I, I wish he was promoted more. I wish he was promoted a little bit better because talking about going from, you know, being a star and then going supernova, that there's a real opportunity there with Francis Ngannou. And so far, they haven't, you know, really done a good job of it, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. That's arguably, you know, one of the stories of the year. So, I yeah. like the hot take there. I like it. I like it, I like it a lot. It's interesting. I, it almost feels like they promoted him more before he became champion than they have since he won the belt. It's it's really strange that they've got this guy who is an absolute monster and is the perfect the perfect guy to be your UFC heavyweight champion. Not since Brock Lesnar won the title when he beat Randy Couture has there been a guy as the heavyweight champion who is legitimately terrifying. Now, Stipe Miocic would scare the living daylights out of me if he stood up against me. Daniel Cormier, likewise. But what we're talking about here are someone you could slap on a poster, they look the part, and then you look at their highlight reel and you go, my goodness me, that is a scary, scary individual. That's Francis Ngannou. So I don't quite understand why there's been as much of a disconnect as there has. And I hope that that all does resolve itself. And like you, I want him to stay in MMA. I want him to stay in the UFC. And uh, I'd love to see him go on a on a lengthy title run or at least get in some really big heavyweight matchups. I want to see the John Jones fight eventually. You know, I'd love to see that. So we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, as an extra hot take, or maybe an extra, extra hot take, um, I've gone with the, uh, the complete opposite of that, which is the UFC parting ways with him. And that's based purely on the noises we've been hearing over the last month or two. So they are our Nando's-inspired 2022 hot takes, which, yes, we will take stock of these at the end of the year and uh, completely dig ourselves out for being completely wrong, just like we have on this show with the 2021 picks. But what we also did last year is we ran down each of the UFC's weight divisions and stated who we thought would end 2021 as that division's champion. Let's go through yours first, Sandu. So we're running flyweight. In fact, let's go division by division. We both sure. said that we both said that uh, Davison Figueredo would finish the year as the flyweight champion. Um, obviously, Brandon Moreno had other other things to think about that. You said Peter Yan would be bantamweight champion. Obviously, there's been some controversy in the bantamweight division this year. I went out on a limb and said Henry Cejudo would come back and win the bantamweight belt. Obviously, we didn't see him. Still got a feeling he might come back one day, though. Featherweight title. You correctly said that Alexander Volkanovsky would remain the featherweight champion of the world. I said Max Holloway would come back and reclaim the belt. I was wrong. Lightweight. We both said that Conor McGregor would come back and get it done. He hasn't. Welterweight. You correctly said that Kamara Usman would hold onto his belt. I went very, uh, very patriotic and now my colors to Leon Edwards. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't even had his shot at the title yet. Middleweight, we both said Israel Adesanya. Light heavyweight, you also said Israel Adesanya for light heavy, which obviously didn't happen. I said John Jones. That didn't happen either. Heavyweight, you said John Jones. I said Francis Ngannou. So I've actually got, that's my second one. Strawweight, we both said Zhang Wei Li. No, both wrong. Flyweight, we both got because it's Valentina Shevchenko. That is her division 
She is completely the owner of the women's 125 pound division. And we both, uh, both said that Amanda Nunes uh, would hold on to her featherweight title, but we're both wrong in saying that she would hold on to the bantamweight title as we, uh, as we found out just a couple of weeks ago. So what that means, Sandu, is that if we looked at all of the predictions we made in 2021, we're basically level. You got five out of 12. I got four out of 12, which is pretty, pretty awful, really, when you think about it. And our hot takes, I got one out of four. You got none out of four. So our little bet that we made before last week, uh, sorry, last year's show, that whoever would get the most right, the other one would buy the Menandos, that's out the window because it was a tie. So we'll maybe we'll roll it over. We'll roll it over to this year and see how terrible this goes because now is the time to do our predictions for who will end 2022 in each of the UFC's weight divisions as champion. So start from flyweight. Who's going to be the flyweight champion of the world on uh, January 1st, 2023, Sandy? And still, Brandon Moreno is still going to be the champion. Um, I feel like he's leveled up nicely uh, over the course of the last year. And although it's a super competitive division, I don't see him losing. I'm completely with you. I'm completely with you. I think Figueredo is probably... At the moment, the only one to dethrone him, but there's a couple of there's a couple of Brits in there, Sandu. I'd love to think that by the end of this year, one or both of our of our uh, our two our two newcomers, Jake Hadley, Mohamed Makayev, might be in a position to say something uh, in that flyweight division. But I think by the end of the year, I think Brandon Moreno will still have his belt. Bantamweight division. This is where it gets interesting because the bantamweights are probably the most competitive division in the UFC right now. The championship picture has been a controversial one. What direction are you taking with this one? It's Peter Yan for me, Simon. And, and I look at the bantamweight division and there's, there's some great contenders there. You know, you've got the resurgent Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz recently, TJ Dillashaw is still waiting to come back from his injury, you know, but not only do I feel like Peter Yan's going to end the year, as the bantamweight champion, I think by the end of the year, he will be in the discussion for the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. That's how highly I rate him. That's how good I think he is. And yeah, once this Sterling situation is sorted out and done with, and once they finally get it on for a second time, I think it's you know full steam ahead of him defending the title, hopefully a couple more times this year. Yep, I've got Yan as well. In my eyes, he's an undefeated fighter. His record says he's lost twice. Both of those defeats were hugely controversial. He lost to... Uh, Magomed Magomedov in ACB where he was penalized for a, for a headbutt that was completely accidental. It was just a clash of heads as they were shooting in very, very controversial. And uh, he lost the fight because of that on the scorecards, the point deduction did him on the scorecards. And obviously he lost to uh, Aljamain Sterling. That was a very clear, <laughs> a clear foul, but nobody beat him. He kind of beat himself. So in that regard, I kind of feel that nobody has beaten him. You, you know, so as far as I'm concerned, he's he's still the guy to beat at 135 pounds. And I think he'll finish 2022 with that belt. And I totally agree. I think he is one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world already. I just think this year might be the, the year that cements it. Now, this is the interesting one. 145 pounds. We have a dominant champion in Alexander Volkanovsky. We also have one of the best pound for pound fighters in a, on the planet in Max Holloway. You also have a few other names floating around at 45. So who have you picked to finish the year as the UFC featherweight champion? I'm sticking with Alexander Volkanovsky because I feel like even if 
Max Holloway gets another opportunity against him. I feel like Volkanovski's got so many rounds in there with Holloway that he he would have he would have by now definitely adjusted his game to make sure there was there would be no doubt in another contest. And you could say the same thing about Max Holloway too. To be fair, you could say that Holloway's had the same amount of experience, and he'll make sure that you know he would leave no doubt in another contest. But just seeing how the the Ortega fight played out, Simon, seeing Volkanovski coming out of that rear naked choke situation, just the guts and the determination, his mind, mentally, he is so strong. And I really feel like he's determined to continue to defend his championship and really put on a legacy. And I feel like by the end of this year, if he can get a few more defenses in there, especially if one of those is against Max Holloway one more time, and he can you know, really close that chapter for good this time around, I think then he'll be in the conversation for one of the greatest featherweights of all time because this run he's on is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the performance against Ortega was just ridiculous. It was incredible performance. On the flip side of that, that was a really, really tough, hard-fought win and he came back from the brink a few times in that fight. Do you know who didn't have to come back from the brink against Brian Ortega? Max Holloway. Lit him up like a Christmas tree for five rounds. I think uh, I think Holloway, in my eyes, is still, I said this last year, is still the best 145-pound fighter on the planet. I think if he gets another crack at Volkanovski, he will beat him. I, I just think he will. And it's one of those where they're two very different fighters. They're both, when you put them in a the cage, they're so evenly matched. I'm a huge fan of both of them. But... I just think that Holloway Holloway is the guy. And so I'm going to go with Max Holloway. So that's the first one that we've actually disagreed on. But I do tend to think it's I think one of us is going to be right by the end of 2022 because they are far and away the two best featherweights on the planet. And hopefully we get to see them fight once, maybe even twice in the come 12 months. Because And, and if, if we do, we're going to be treated to a couple of absolutely brilliant matchups. Right. Lightweight division, Sandu, a real melting pot of UFC talent. We've got a, a new champion who has just cemented himself as the king of the lightweights. Charles Oliveira, Charlie Olives. Is he going to retain? Is he going to hold on to the belt throughout the entire year? Or is he going to drop the strap to one of the plethora of contenders that we've got floating around at 155 pounds? Who are you going for? There's Options are plenty here. You're damn right there is, Simon. Not only is 155 one of the most stacked divisions in terms of just pure talent, it's also the glamour division. You know, mm. it's got some of the biggest household names. The, the biggest star in the sport, and Conor McGregor, competes at 155 pounds most of the time. Um, and so, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. But my pick is Islam Makhachev. I feel like he's on this journey where one more win and he's right in the mix for a title shot. He's Khabib 2.0 for me. He's got Khabib in his corner. He's got Daniel Cormier in his corner. He's with the right agency and right manager and Ali Abdelaziz in terms of someone that is able to get him that opportunity sooner rather than later in the UFC. And I've seen enough of him now in recent performances to make me think that he has got what it takes to be a championship caliber fighter and when i look at various matchups of who he could potentially fight 
him against Charlie Olives, him against Justin Gaethje, him against, you know, I just keep seeing myself picking Makachev in all of these various contests. And so there you go. Might be out on a bit of a limb here. And again, this is probably the division where you can go a, a bunch of different ways. But for me, it's going to be Islam Makachev by the end of 2022, UFC lightweight champion. Yeah, that's a that's a really solid pick. I've I've gone out on a limb a little bit with this. I'm a bit of a sporting romantic and I like watching guys who have sort of tried to get to the mountaintop. They've fallen short. They've come back and eventually they get there. And this guy has been a champion in another organization. He's come to the UFC. He's made a huge, huge uh, statement on his debut. He had a go. Um, he had a, he had a shot at a lightweight title was probably seconds away from winning the strap against Charles Oliveira and uh, then got beat in the, uh, the following round. He then had the fight of the year against Justin Gaethje, which he lost. But I think Michael Chandler's got it in him to become the undisputed UFC lightweight champion of the world. I really do. I really, really do. And I think styles make fights. And I think with the right man at the top, with the right man holding the belt, Michael Chandler could go in there and win that belt. I think if it's Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler could go in there and win that belt. I really do. I think if Chandler lets his hands go a little bit faster in that first fight, he's the champion. And and we could be looking at a very different landscape at 155 pounds. There are so many options. Justin Gaethje was actually going to be my pick until about 15 minutes ago. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? Chandler, Chandler has been the guy I've, been covering Bellator quite extensively over the last couple of years uh, for the BBC and and ch- you know just the way Chandler goes about his business I just I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the way he goes about his business I think he's an elite athlete and I think he's got everything in his in his skill set to become a world champion and I think he would be the perfect role model as well I think he comes across really well and I, it's, it's something I would like to see. I'm kind of willing it into existence a little bit. I'd like to see Michael Chandler win the UFC lightweight belt. I think it would be great. And uh, he's got the skill to do it. He might not be right there right now. He's probably going to have to win one and then win another one. But I think he can do it. I think by the end of next, oh, sorry, by the end of this year, I think he'll finish the year with the belt. And it would be uh, a remarkable story for a remarkable career. Become a champion in Bellator multiple times over then become UFC lightweight champion of the world. That's my pick. You know, 155 is stacked when you and me are both saying and new champion by the end of the year and giving two different picks. That's how incredible lightweight is. So for welterweight, it's a very easy pick for me. It's and still Kamaru Usman. He is the consensus number one pound for pound best fighter in the world. I feel like the Leon Edwards fight is, is the one that will be the most competitive and, Leon is probably the one that will give him the most run for his money or the best run for his money. Outside of him, most likely Hamza is the, the other fighter that will probably challenge him the most. I just don't know if Hamza will get that opportunity this year. We'll see how the year plays out. Kamaru doesn't look like he's going to, well, according to him, doesn't look like he'll fight until the summer. So if he fights in the summer and then once more against, you know, you know, in, in November, December, maybe the MSG card, he'll probably fight twice a year. It just depends who those... Um, competitors are but by the end of the year I just don't see anyone else being champion but Usman I just feel like every time he performs he's better 
his the tutelage under Trevor Whitman has made him into just a, a much, much better fighter than he was. And he was already a really good fighter a couple of years ago. So for me, it's the Nigerian nightmare and still at 170. Yeah, I can't add too much more to that other than to say, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. He is the best fighter in the UFC right now. That's, that is it, top to bottom. And uh, it's going to take an absolutely Herculean effort to take that title off him right now, the way he's going. So, yeah, I think he's going to finish the year as a world's weight champion. Are we going and still a middleweight, Sandu? Because I am Israel Adesanya um, mm-hmm. to retain his belt at 185 pounds. I mentioned earlier uh, during the uh, the Nando's predictions that I think he's basically got that division locked down. And uh, barring a fight with someone like Alex Pereira, who might come in and offer a fresh challenge, something that he hasn't seen, in, at least inside the cage before, um, I struggle to see who he's even going to be on his level at 185 pounds. So I'm going and still Israel Adesanya, middleweight. I agree. I feel like the Robert Whitaker rematch will be arguably the most competitive fight that we'll have this year. Outside of that, though, I think he will be a heavy, heavy favorite against anybody else he comes up against in 2022. So yeah, very easy one for me, Simon. Style bender and still middleweight champion. And now, Hick, this, this leads on to the light heavyweight division, which I think is probably the most open field we could pick from if you're looking at who's going to finish the year as champion. I've gone for Israel Adesanya. I mentioned it earlier on in my picks. So obviously it stands to reason that I've got him here in my end of year champions list. I just think that everything is set for him to move across, have another go, whether it be Glover Teixeira, whether it be Yuri Prohaska, whoever it is at the top. I think that Israel Adesanya is going to end the year with not one, but two belts on his mantelpiece. And the second one will be that light heavyweight belt. What do you reckon, Sandy? So many. I nearly went with Magomed Ankalaev, but I couldn't quite pull the trigger. But uh, Israel Adesanya is my pick. Yeah, this is one that's completely open. It really is. Because ever since John Jones left the division, it's been up and down. It's been here and there. We've had Jan Blahovic. We've got Glover Teixeira, who's the current champion. And we've had a few contenders pop up in terms of Rakic, in terms of Prohaska. For me, though, I've gone with Jiri Prohaska. Um, he's an interesting character because I feel like when he's on, he's phenomenal. His striking, he's just an absolute killer in there. His overall style, though, is so makes me uncomfortable. He seems like he's a little bit erratic as some, as sometimes. And you you wonder what his strategy is. And he, I feel like sometimes he leaves himself open to to getting clipped and, and and getting knocked out but so far so far simon you know he's been on this journey in the ufc he's entertaining he's a very interesting character both in and out of the cage and something just tells me this is I'm, I'm kind of picking with with my gut a little bit more on this one something tells me that by the end of the year price is going to be the champion would not surprise me at all to see him hold a championship belt in 2020. 2022, but I just don't know whether he'll get to the end of the year with it. His fighting style is so, so gung-ho, chin up, hands down. All the while you've got a good chin, then you can last a little while. But these are big boys at 205 pounds. You know, they're fighting at like 220, 225, some of them. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. The light heavyweight division is going to be a lot of fun, I think, because there's a lot of people jockeying for position. Lots of different fighting styles going on. We've got grapplers, we've got strikers. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Now, this is possibly the big one. Well, it is literally the big one. Heavyweight championship of the world. Biggest prize in the sport. 
currently held by Francis Ngannou, the uh, the main title. The interim belt is held by Cyril Gunn. Will it be one of those two? Will it be someone else? Who finishes 2022 as the undisputed, let's say there's going to be an undisputed champion. We're not going to have any uh, interim shenanigans by the end of the year. Who's going to have the heavyweight belt, Sandu, in the UFC? I'm not going to lie, Simon. This is probably the toughest pick that I've had to make because there's so many variables at play here when it comes to Francis Ngannou. But I'm going to stick with Francis Ngannou knowing that it could be Cyril, it could be John Jones, it could be Steve, it, it could be so many fighters. It could be a vacant championship by the end of 2022. We have no idea how this whole situation between the UFC and Francis Ngannou is going to play out. But for right now, as we record this, I'm going to pick Francis Ngannou. There you go. Yeah, now my extra hot take said that the UFC would part ways with Francis Ngannou. But that was an extra hot take, right? I'm going out on a limb. I don't actually think that that will happen. I think it's it, it's a super hot take that, that I think could happen. I can't go against it. All while Francis Ngannou is in the UFC and he's strapping on a pair of those big old four-ounce gloves and getting in a cage, I don't know if there's a heavyweight alive who fights MMA, who can beat him. So I'm going to go with Francis Ngannou as well. I think I think, unless maybe we see John Jones by the end of the year, but it's, it's not looking likely, is it, right now? So um, the only one that I think has a chance of beating him is Stipe. If Stipe comes back at 100% and he's able to walk through the fire and somehow roughhouse him like he did in the first fight. But Ngannou has evolved so much since that first fight. We saw it in a rematch. So yeah. The Predator holds on to his belt. UFC heavyweight champion by the end of 2022. Francis Ngannou. They are the men's champions sorted. Let's deal with the women's champions. Now, this was relatively straightforward last year, at least so we thought. We got one of them wrong. But strawweight champion. Who's going to finish as a strawweight champion of the world? I, it's not cut and dried, but I've gone with Rose Namajunas. I think... I'm, you know, I think I've seen enough from her to to be able to feel confident backing her against anybody else in 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 the division, and uh, she, you know, she's a big occasion fighter. She doesn't let the occasion get to her. I think any question marks over her mentality during those big occasions has long since been uh, squashed. She's legitimately one of the best fighters in the world, uh, and uh, for me, she's going to finish the year as the women's hundred hundred and fifteen pound champion. What do you reckon? Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose. Yeah, it's it's an easy one, Simon, for me. Rose Naman Yunus is going to be dominating this division, I think, for years to come. Uh, and once again, I think it's just because she's mentally and emotionally a better fighter, but then also from a, a physical standpoint, technical standpoint, she gets better and better under the tutelage of Trevor Whitman. And then you've got guys like Kamara Usman and Justin Gaethje um, in there training alongside with you. It's like absolute... Killers, iron sharpens iron. Rest Rose Nami units for me. Yeah, and just on a side note for that division, please, you Annie and Jacek, get yourself back in the cage. I would love to see uh, JJ back in there in the mix because she's still 100% one of the best fighters in the world at that weight class. The Zhang Weili rematch has to be made in 2022. You know, one of the most incredible female fights we've ever seen. So fingers crossed we get to see that possibly as a title eliminator a little bit later this year. Now, the flyweight division. Is anybody going to dethrone Valentina Shevchenko? Is Valentina Shevchenko going to relinquish her belt? What's going to happen? Is anyone going to B 
be uh, next to women's flyweight champion in 2022 besides Valentina Shevchenko? I don't think so. I think Shevchenko is just going to hang on to the belt for the rest of the year like it's her own personal property, Sandy. What do you think? This is probably the easiest pick of the entire um, round, this, this, this whole segment. Men's and women's, this is the easiest pick for me. It's the bullet at 125 pounds and still by the end of the year. What about bantamweight, Sandy? Who you got for the bantamweight championship? Obviously, we have a new champion in Juliana Pena. Will she hang on to it through 2022? Or will we see another name holding the belt? Perhaps a, perhaps a familiar name. This was another tough one for me. I'm not going to lie, Simon, because I feel like they're going to make the Amanda Nunes rematch. I feel like Nunes will be a lot more motivated in second time around. So, you know, I'd expect her to be better. Then on the flip side, I do feel like Juliana Pena may just have her number and Styles make fights. And then, you know, if she does retain her title, you know, against Nunes, does Shevchenko move up one more time to 135 pounds, where I feel like she may actually have the skills to perhaps beat Pena? So, again, another one where there's lots of variables at play of this and that could happen in 2022. I'm sticking with Anne still, though, for the time being, Simon. I'm sticking with Juliana Pena. I feel like mentally she got herself into a situation last year where she was cutting promos, really going for Nunes, and she knew what none of us knew. She knew that she could beat her, and she proved everyone else uh, wrong, and she proved herself right. And um, I feel like she's going to take that momentum into this year and it will be difficult for her to end the year still the champion, but she's got the the intestinal fortitude to to put in the work. And she now that she's tasted gold, I'm sure she wants to hold on to it because now she's gonna get pay-per-view points, there'll be other opportunities, making more money. So for me, it's the Venezuelan Vixen and still at 135 pounds by the end of the year. What a story that was, by the way. One of the, one of the feel-good stories of the year in mixed martial arts. The way, you know, everything that had led up to that and for her to perform the way she did and, and, and to win the title, you know, the way she did was just absolutely outstanding. I've gone slightly slightly off, uh, off beam with this one. I'm picking Valentina Shevchenko. I think this is the opportunity that Valentina Shevchenko needs. I think that if there's any issue with making the rematch with Amanda Nunes, I think Valentina can step in. I think Valentina. I think Valentina would fancy her chances quite strongly against Juliana Pena. I think she can light her up on the feet. I think she's got the footwork. I think she's a smarter fighter than Amanda Nunes. Um, I thought Nunes did not show the greatest of fight IQ in that first fight in, in, in that fight with Pena. Um, and uh, I don't think Shevchenko would fall into the same trap. So. I think this is the chance for Valentina Shevchenko to become a two-division world champion, and I think that's what will happen. Valentina Shevchenko, women's bantamweight champion of the world. That leaves us with possibly, possibly the easiest pick, or maybe not, Sandu. Who finishes 2022 the UFC women's featherweight champion? Is it an absolute lock that it is Amanda Nunes? Or might a newcomer to the UFC have something to say about that? What do you think? I'm going with Kayla Harrison, Simon. There he I goes. Feel, I, I, this is kind of leaning into the hot take situation, but I feel like it's inevitable that the UFC will just figure out a way to sign her. And on the flip side, I feel like Kayla Harrison wants to be in the UFC. And even though there might be some more, or maybe slightly more lucrative offers elsewhere, I think she knows that being in the UFC, becoming a champion of the UFC, is the only thing in MMA that can equate to her gold 
um, medal accomplishments in the Olympics. The UFC is the best of the best. And that's where she'll have the opportunity to fight Amanda Nunes, who is the greatest female fighter of all time, even though she just dropped her bantamweight cha- championship recently. And although that may have kind of lost a bit of steam, because I'm sure Kayla would have wanted her to retain both titles, I still feel like that fight will happen this year. I feel like the UFC you know, are probably more incentivized now to sign Kayla Harrison, especially given Amanda Nunes' performance last time out. Is she on the tail end of her career? Is she still motivated to do this? Can she still do this? And the other thing is, even though Nunes has been a fantastic champion in two different weight classes of the UFC, she hasn't been a star, right? She hasn't been a draw. And the potential upside with Kayla Harrison coming in and becoming a featherweight champion, even though it's slim pickings and there's not a lot of matchups there and they'll have to do a lot of hard work to bring in um, you know, fighters to, to keep her busy, I feel like it's worthwhile for them from a business point of view to, to get her into the UFC. So not only do I think she signs, maybe has one warm-up featherweight fight, but by the end of the year, I feel like she'll fight Nunes and become the UFC featherweight champion. Yeah, I, I figured that you would go with that given what we said earlier. I'm going to go with Amanda Nunes. Two reasons. One, I've said that Kayla Harrison would be better off joining Bellator. So it kind of follows that. But also, if they do fight in the UFC, I would still slightly favor Amanda Nunes, I think. Just slightly. Because we've not seen Kayla Harrison get really, really hit clean by someone with real power. Like she's not been in there with a Chris Cyborg. She's not been in there with an Amanda Nunes yet. They are the two fights that I really want to see for Kayla Harrison. And she might walk through both of them if she ended up facing them. But I want to see. I want to see. And I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Amanda Nunes' punch power. I'm also a big believer in Amanda Nunes coming back like an absolute monster after her loss to Juliana Pena. I think this could be one of the better things to happen to Amanda Nunes in terms of her fighting career. I think she's going to come roaring back like a woman possessed in 2022. And uh, for the sake of uh, being a little bit different, and also because I kind of suggested that Kayla might be better off in Bellator, I'm going to go with Amanda Nunes finishing 2022 as the UFC Women's Featherweight Champion of the World. And that completes our list. I will keep uh, a note of all these so we can uh, laugh at each other's terrible predictions this time next year. But what it does mean is we've got a lot of really, really great matchups to look forward to in 2022. Events are coming back. Well, events are back, aren't they? We, we know that they're now on the road again, the UFC. Bellator are traveling again. Cage Warriors are doing shows over here. KSW doing big arena shows. One Championship are coming back. Everything is on the way back. We're getting the big matchups. We had some incredible fights this past year. It's just going to get bigger and better in 2022 sandu and i cannot wait absolutely and for those of you that want to continue to support the brit pack the best way to do that is go to the website the brit pack mma.com the brit pack mma.com that's the website from there you can find us on social media and if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts in particular do us a favor rate and review us it really does go a long way on helping us get found on that particular platform yeah first show of 2022 thank you so much for joining us don't forget we have good things coming in 2022 we are going to video we have things in progress we will be going to video very very shortly and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with the show in the coming year thanks for listening and uh, enjoy a couple of weeks of calm before it all kicks off again and we'll speak to you next week <laughs>